Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I need this jingle. I need a jingle to bring me in and make me sound more profesh, but I haven't got it yet. So I'm just jumping in with, hi, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I've got an ex-boss of mine on the podcast. <laughs> that is not what she's kind of famed for, but uh, I figure that is going to be a draw for some people to laugh at Nick squirming at uh, an ex-boss of his maybe even referencing some of the things he's done in his uh, work career. So uh, Sophia Wingren is an incredible woman and she's going to introduce herself in just a second, but I wanted to tell you a little story because I've mentioned before quite a few times and I'm sure some of the people listening are going to be people who either work for or have worked for EF. And um, Sophia was actually the uh, uh, third person in EF that I met. So I met a woman called Ming Chen, who I've referenced before, incredible woman. She was recruiting over in Singapore. She sent me to the Hong Kong office. Uh, and in the Hong Kong office, I uh, got to meet uh, some, some more people to interview with. And I met the one of the sons of the owner called Philip Holt and uh, had this lunch with him. And it was very intimidating. And I didn't really realize at the time quite how big a deal he was. Um, but obviously, I knew he was very senior. And then he passed me on to my next interviewer, and my next interviewer was Sophia. And he introduced me saying, hi, Sophia, this is Nick. And uh, we're going to offer him a position in uh, the UK uh, after his MBA. And so the very first word Sophia said to me was like, nice to meet you. That's a good way to start an interview. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, from then on, uh, me and Sophia got on like a house on fire and we had the very good fortune actually to work together for, for a few years. Sophia hired me into her team uh, for EF High School exchange year and uh, we did some great work together there. Well, I hope we did some great work together. I think we did. You were brilliant. So anyway, Sophia, what I'm going to do is pass over to you to introduce yourself. Tell us a bit about yourself and where you're, where you're at in the world right now and then we will run on from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how do I introduce myself these days? Um, I'm calling in from Stockholm, just outside of Stockholm, and um, it's evening. And for the past uh, year or so, I have been uh, on a bit of a, of a professional break. And for the first time in my life, I've had the time to actually be a, a stay-at-home mom. And that's been incredible. Um, it's never been anything I necessarily went for <laughs> but then I was sort of uh, then I had the opportunity suddenly I think at a time in my life when I really wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and it's been uh, yeah quite wonderful and the, even despite or even with the, the pandemic so I think um I really enjoyed being the one, uh, taking the kids to school, uh, bringing them home, uh, having a snack with them, driving them to different activities and, and sort of hanging out with uh, my two uh, sons. And then um, it seems to be a habit of mine to say yes to most things. So I've uh, been drawn into a lot of interesting pr uh, projects, more sort of professional projects. So I'm during this uh, time, I've also been um, an advisor and a coach to a few different startups. I've um, had the fortune to be able to invest in a few companies and uh, and uh, you know sit on a board here and there and uh, and and work in in different uh, quite innovative 
circumstances. So I do that. And, and I also have a podcast. Yes, indeed. Yes, yeah, indeed. Where a colleague of mine and, and I, together with guests, discuss careers and uh, uh, equality and bias in the workplace. Uh, and that's a lot of fun. So we're, sort of, we're sort of still colleagues, you and I. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so, perfect in the podcast world. <laughs> there's, yeah. only, there's only a few of them. <laughs> so uh, you are Swedish, like you said, and you've had quite an unconventional pathway. I, I mean, you said about stay-at-home mom. I think a lot of Swedish people, the stay-at-home part is is a lot around the maternity and paternity leave and things like that. Yeah. But I, 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 if I'm not wrong, you were traveling and living in lots of different places and, and all around the world and didn't really live that super conventional life so why don't you tell us a bit about that like how, how is your pathway from school college wherever you want to start up to yeah I think I've always been very uh, curious and keen on um, adventure in all of its forms uh, whether it's been traveling to new countries or cultures and, and sort of diving into um, challenges in at, at work and um and it's been, I think I've been driven a lot by that I really think it's fun to be exposed to a lot of challenging or, or just different circumstances. So uh, that drive, I guess, has taken me to uh, a lot of places, career-wise, but also life-wise. And, um, and I think, so, so I lived abroad for over 15 years outside of Sweden and then suddenly decided to go back home. Uh, I, I left Sweden with a suitcase and being almost single and I returned uh, with a husband and two boys, two sons uh, and an au pair. <laughs> <laughs> the au pair being a necessity for being able to work and have children uh, at the same time for me. Uh, so, so sort of being in Sweden now is uh, is in itself quite exciting and and interesting and still a, a process that I see as you know landing and learning um, in Sweden and reconnecting with my network and reconnecting with what I like about Sweden and um, but but yes, uh, career wise, I have been together with you in, in the education industry for a long time in this amazing company we, we, where we learned so much uh, at EF. And uh, before that, I was in the, more in the media industry, in a sort of in TV production, uh, film production, um, media sales um, and studios, etc. I did that beforehand. And uh, I have a business degree from, uh, from the Stockholm School of Economics. Um, and uh, after EF, I have been uh, running a, a company called Hyper Island, which is also a learning industry company in the digital forefront, mm -hmm. uh, which was also very exciting. Um, and now I don't know what's coming next. Let's see. Yeah. I, I'm, in, I'm really curious to see what my next sort of full-time adventure will be like. Well, knowing you, I, I'm sure it's going to be something <laughs> epic. <laughs> I think uh, so. There's a few things I probably should tell anyone out there listening, and uh, and thank you again for listening. By the way, I I, I want to make sure uh, I I give thanks to the people who bother to sit and listen uh, to these these podcasts. I I know I've had amazing guests, but it is very 
cool that you st stick with it. Um, so uh, there's a few things I wanted to actually. So Sophia wasn't just my boss at one point. She was also my landlord at one point, which is quite funny because yeah. uh, <laughs> we ended up uh, rent subletting the, the apartment in Switzerland from, from her. And also we sort of followed a little bit of footsteps of Sophia. We went off to Hong Kong and you'd been in Hong Kong. So you set us up with lots of different contacts and things. So uh, yeah, there was a, a lot of very cool things. But I've uh, going back to you, I and one of the reasons I really wanted to get you on here actually is because of course the theme of this podcast, although it goes off on a, many tangents quite a lot, <laughs> the theme is wind building, as you know. And uh, and my and so I am writing a book, uh, which is actually a question you asked me and I never answered. So I'm writing a book on it, and I, I feel like there's uh, an interesting set of stages and processes that that there are to building up to a win and building up to winning something and constructing a win. Uh, and I think a lot of people don't really break that down enough and, and think through those different processes. And something that strikes me is you mentioned it already, but your drive. Uh, I think you have tremendous drive. You also have tremendous presence. Uh, and and I called you, and I hope this isn't a, a negative thing. It's very much positive to me. I call you an alpha female. Like I, you, you to me are like an alpha female. And and that to me is like thank you. Yeah, yeah, good. I'm glad it's a positive cool. thing because it, it, in my mind it's very positive. You're this super assertive, very pres big presence, and um, and you're very smart, obviously, and 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 you have a lot to offer to companies and things. So I really enjoyed working with you for those reasons. Um, but I wanted to kind of dig a bit into your thinking and and where that might have come from and how you've sort of got those traits or how you've developed those traits how you feel you've used those traits to your advantage and by the way i'm also going to tell you where it, you know like ask you where it's gone wrong perhaps and <laughs> where those traits maybe have let you down but i wanted mm. to kind of ask the positive first and and find out where you know where do you think that sort of that drive or if you agree it's alpha female or alpha woman where does that come from like how, how did when did you start noticing you were like that because it is unusual Mm. I think uh, it must always have been there somehow. I think um, it, I think it must be connected to some level of curiosity um, and uh, yeah, curiosity and an impatience at wanting more. I, I, I know I. I thought of this a long time ago when someone asked me, and I think I, I always want anything that's new I'm interested in, um, and I want to taste. And this could be, seriously, a new job uh, or a new person or a new yogurt. So it doesn't really, it could be on any level. I'm, I'm really keen on trying something new. Um, and, and, and then I can always take on more. I want more, more, more and I want faster, faster. So it's like sort of new, more, faster. It's sort of almost in, in you say inherit? No, in, it sort of feels like it's built in, yeah. a, a sort of engine that just that, I, that is kind of out of my control. So it's more me needing to control that to both protect my time and protect my sanity probably and, and so on. So, but it's not something I've, it's not a button that I press. Mm. Uh, on to have that drive it's more um, something maybe I need to adjust and, and fine-tune a little bit so it's probably a, a personality trait I think 
And then together with that, throughout my years of growing up, I was probably not put, I wasn't told off as, you know, I was, I was probably more encouraged and, and people, my, either my parents or teachers or people around me liked this about me, liked the curiosity, liked the drive, um, and maybe liked the way I went about it and, and uh, confirmed, confirmed me mm. in a way. Mm. And that must have uh, built um, a, a confidence in me. So I think, it's, I think it's a combination of a lot of different lucky uh, factors, probably. The people around me giving me sort of a, a green, <laughs> a green card and not a red um, and, and sort of helping me, helping me forward. Probably. Maybe empowering you so. a little bit. Ex yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so that I've also felt that it's okay. It's not only okay, it's, it's something that is positive and is, is, is perceived as, as positive uh, yeah. where I've been. But I've also had, um, I think, in my family, strong role models on the on the female side. So I think also the the fact that I've been a a female, if if you now say alpha female, but that's not always regarded as something positive among other other women or other men. It can be something that is quite handicapping uh, mm -hmm. in certain cultures or in certain. Um, uh, families I'm sure or uh, at school and so on but I've been um, fortunate to have also uh, a, a mother and a grandmother who were risk takers and who were kind of pushing uh, or maybe paving the way rather than pushing me but more paving the way uh, to you know say yeah this is possible you can try this and why not and you know never mind if you fail and I had a grandmother who loved uh, auctions um and and we would see she, she would uh, bring me with her to auction houses and we would sit on the front row and she would encourage me to dare to put a bid you know a live bid <laughs> um so two dollars <laughs> three dollars and she would sort of nudge me in, in the side and say go 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 and she would whisper you know, if you change your mind and you don't want it, I'll buy it from you. So she gave me this sort of, she gave me the carte blanche to, to sort of go for it. And, but she had this little protective, uh, the, the safety net for me if I would fail. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah. So, so lots of different things. But she was also an entrepreneur and a very sort of feisty, strong, strong-willed woman. And, and so is my mother. Um, not to play down the part of my father, but I think I've, I've had I've had female role models around me also that has given me an extra boost, probably mm. in terms of it being okay to be the way I am, yeah. uh, not not having to put a lid on my drive or energy for yeah. and curiosity for whatever I, I felt like doing and so on. That's awesome. That yeah, so not, yeah. not, not sort of restricting your opportunity. I think that's. I mean, yeah. There, there's a lot. There's a lot of. Uh, I mean, there's tons of positive things about Scandinavia generally. Uh, of course, especially Sweden as well, and the way in which you know women have definitely found a lot more empowerment in in recent times than than in other countries. And and I think that and and the more equality. Uh, 
you know, personally, I'm a huge fan of the the, the more balanced paternity maternity because I think a lot, you know, the, the the time that people get to spend off with their kids, I think mm. there's so much to be said for that, both for the positive for the kids, but also for positive for people and society because everyone just accepts that's the way it is, and then they work around that rather than oh god she's going to take a year off or something like that that's kind of or she's going to take time off or she's never going to come back you know those sort of statements you and i've both heard people say in various places we've worked and it's a really sucky culture to 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 be in when there's those male female big divides which you know culturally hold us back i think and it's great to hear that the, your granny you know was already yeah. was already there and and then your mom obviously as well empowering you I'm interested to know, though, because uh, in my mind, one of the reasons you've been particularly successful, obviously, you've been a, a leader of, of people, you've managed teams, and you've managed to get to quite senior levels of, of obviously, extremely senior, because you were managing me, I mean, for goodness sake. Yeah. <laughs> no, but you've got good senior positions in, in companies and things. And, and I'm wondering, you know, with that, this, there's a lot of you, I've seen a lot of you, which is very competitive. Uh, but that was also because we were working in a sales, very sales heavy environment and it was very sales driven and the targets were around sales revenue, et cetera. Do you think you're very competitive or do you think the drive and curiosity that you've just described is something you've turned your attention onto the things that deliver kind of value and opportunity in, for example, sales? Do you, therefore, you've become competitive through that route or do you think you're a very competitive person? Yeah, I wrote down actually because since this is about winning, I've, I was just scratching my head and thinking, I'm not sure I, you know, I have, that I've had the agenda of winning. I haven't. It's not the way I've had it in my mind. Partly because I don't see myself as as competitive at all. So mm. it's really interesting that you say that. Mm. Um. Yeah, I, I wouldn't describe myself as competitive unless there were, it was a job interview where I, where I knew I had to. <laughs> but, um, um, yeah, so that's really interesting. that you so, you so you really think that I was competitive when we worked together? I, I, I so in, I think in what I'm, way? I'm fascinated by the competitive nature of people and I love in yeah. sport and things like that. In particular, I'm fascinated by it and that's part of the reason I decided to write the book because I mm. think there is a, uh, there are a, it's not, I, th I used to, because I'm very competitive, I know that, and I hate losing anything. So I will start a competition for anything. Like, you know, if the kids are doing something, I'll want, they're five and two, and I'll want to compete with them. <laughs> so I'm like terrible. But, and I recognize that in myself, but I realize that not everyone has that. And and it doesn't make you a winner just because you're competitive. You know, they're, they're, and that's why I'm sort of intrigued by it because what mm. you can't, you, I believe you can be a winner and not need to be competitive. And I think you're, and right. I guess depends how you define winning. But I think yeah. it, for me, it's interesting that you can turn your attention to building a win and be very methodical and process driven about it and strategical without necessarily needing to be hyper competitive about it. You need, what right. you do need to be able to do is be prepared to whatever it is you're trying to win or trying to gain or trying to achieve, you need to be ready to jump in two feet and do it in the end you need to be brave enough to take the the risk to do it and that take 
guts, which is not necessarily competitiveness, but it takes it it, it is real emotion and guts that affects you. So and, I, and that's, that's, that describes me quite well, I think. Sort of all of that sort of method, methodical uh, planning and wanting to succeed and wanting to make it right and some sort of loyalty to the task and being prepared to do almost anything and giving it my all yeah. to get it right and get it done. Sort of that's a very strong drive in yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, and there's some sort of loyalty to to in that to um, the team, to the to the task, to the company, to the customer or whatever it might be that I, I have a very strong sense uh, in my body, basically, and uh, what keeps me awake and energized and, and, um, and happy, I think. I like going for that and, and never giving up and um, finding new ways and, <clears throat> you know, just <clears throat> nailing it. <laughs> what are the... What are the so that, that, but never so, it, I never went for the glory of the, the win um, and maybe sort of the contrast there is that I almost didn't see it as an option to lose if mm. you see what I mean mm. sort of there's, um, there's just there's just the, the goal which can be adjusted but the going for it and, and taking every little route you can take to get there um, and having that stamina um, of uh, yeah, almost nerding in on on getting there. I think the the perseverance is, is mm -hmm. a super important point. You know, are you ready? Are you prepared to persevere through to the bitter end and take the hits on the fails? As you mentioned previously about failing, yeah. it's like everyone talks about failing on this podcast, and it's such an important factor in being able to get better at something or get you know get de deliver performance. It's such an important factor oh, oh you've no, I lost frozen your on sound. me i'm gonna just pause for a second you still there mm. hey i lost you a little bit there can you repeat what you just yeah, said? yeah 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 i paused because i saw that you'd frozen so i, I can yeah. edit this bit out okay so I, i'm just gonna write down when it when it happened um yeah so i think perseverance, it, it, you said the perseverance and the failures yeah, so I think the perseverance and the and the failures that that come along with that they've been referenced a lot, and and it's it's so important that you you are able to sort of learn from mistakes, learn from things not happening, to be able to get the to get the best results. But I, I think in in your case, I'm I'm really interested by it because I think when it comes to leadership roles and leading a team to success. Whatever the definition of success is, whatever that definition as a team is, that needs to be really clearly put forward and communicated to the team. And everyone needs to be driven behind that in terms of, OK, this is the success and this is the strategy of how we're going to achieve that success. And then as a leader, you need to be like <laughs> number one cheerleading away to get there. And, and I guess in, when it comes to sort of business and performance in business, your metrics that you're sort of you know judged on become your become your sort of um yeah well it, it's your direct performance indicators but it becomes the thing you can get behind in terms of competitiveness even if you yourself are not someone who's naturally competitive and i think it's an interesting thing because when you look at i don't know 
uh, uh, Usain Bolt. <laughs> probably he's an individual sportsman and he's probably hyper competitive, but he's also no doubt extremely persevering in terms of his training, in terms of his work rate, his his willingness to sacrifice everything to get to be the best and 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 you know the coaching teams around him and everything that goes into his performances that he's willing to do all of that it's not just relying on him really really wanting to win you know it's mm. it's it's everything else that goes around it so i think it's actually being hyper competitive a bit like what i consider myself is not actually that useful all the time I think it's useful in in the in the moment where you're delivering the performance or delivering the execution. It's good to have someone who is just hungry, hungry, hungry. You know, like a good salesperson is usually extremely driven because they're hungry for it. They're competitive for it, and they just want to get you the targets. They just get so much energy out of getting those targets. That's mm. useful. But then, you know standing back and looking at the strategy and working out the ways to get there and, and making sure the team are all on board and following that strategy. I think that's a different skill and it doesn't require that competitive nature necessarily. What do you, what do you think to everything I just said there? Yeah, over to you. It takes both sides. I don't think, I think that uh, maybe one of the reasons we were working together was because you had that competitiveness and I could see that as part of your skill set and part of your fit and part of your fit in the team around you as well. So I need to, of course, complement my strengths with other strengths or, or sort of make sure that I cover up for whatever weaknesses I have. So I think that it's uh, also in any job really important to match up and sort of uh, uh, hook uh, arms with people who, uh, who are different from yourself. And, and that's when you can create some magic in, you know, maybe having that sort of enthusiasm and creativity from some people and this super strong hunger and competitiveness from some others. And the whole mix together inspires the rest of people, the rest of the people to do their best. And also in a big organization, there needs to be many different role models that can fit your a way of doing things so i think that you know some people may then look at you some people may look at me some people may look at somebody else in the management team or so and say that's who i'm gonna follow i'll follow the lead but i'll, I'll have a role model in certain people or a mentor in certain people who fit my needs mm. and i think that's why there's never one person really who is um it's, we all, we always talk about sort of the leader and the, this person at the top or this person who's at the forefront, the, the big name. But if you just scratch the surface really quickly, there's never really just one person who, who does the, the pulling and the pushing at the same time. I think it's a, it's a team of people who inspires the group, so to speak. Or, or if there is his name is Trump and he's just left office <laughs> and it's a disaster. Yeah. I'm sorry for yeah. anyone who's listening who's a Trump fan. I apologize, but I couldn't help myself. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, so I think that that's another thing. Um, making, I was talking to, to um, a person the other day who was so focused on uh, getting rid of um, her, um, her weaknesses 
Um, and and I think it's not about that. It's about challenging your strengths and then making sure you match up with people who who cover the rest, yeah. the rest of the necessary stuff. Are you familiar with Strengths Finder? Have you have you come across yes. Strengths Finder? Yes, I have. I have. So I think I'm not sure if you were still in EF when it started, but the EF did a big push towards Strengths Finder as a tool, and it's mm -hmm. by Gallup, uh, the, the big company. Yeah. Gallup. I didn't do it, but I've heard so about it. Gives you your it gives you 34, it has 34 strengths and it basically ranks them one to 34 for each individual. And, and then you kind of get given your top five and, and that's the idea is you work on those top five together and you work out what your team members have and stuff. It's a very positive, uh, I, I think it's a very positive tool. Uh, you know, it has its flaws like every blooming tool out there. Uh, actually, the second podcast I think I did, or, or maybe the third with Marion, she's a strengths uh, finder coach. So is Louisa, actually, my wife, who you know well. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a good tool, but it works on that principle, which you've just described, which is focus on your strengths, not on your weaknesses, and then build, like, build up that. But also as a manager, for example, if you have that uh, data available, focus on what your team can bring in terms of strengths and and yeah. also how those things work. I mean, it's interesting hearing what you've just said because mine and my top five, I think, are oh God, off the top of my head, like futuristic uh, uh, activator, like get things done, futuristic ideation, like new ideas and stuff, um, strategy being strategic and then responsibility. And I kind mm. of got those other four, but then responsibility, I'm like, what? <laughs> you know, I've thrown myself off cliffs on a snowboard. Like that doesn't seem very like me, but I realized it's it's much more around like this sense of responsibility. Like you said loyalty before, but I think it's similar thing. It's like, I really feel the need to deliver. And I, I know that that's right. useful for companies and it's, you know, useful for, and hi boss, if you're new boss, if you're listening, <laughs> Oli Christian, you might, if you remember Oli Christian, he's now my boss. So uh, wow. he listens to the podcast. So um, yeah. So anyway, but I, I, I think that that trait is a useful trait to, to companies because it's, it's, you know, this sense of responsibility, I really want to do a good job and therefore I'm like totally willing to put in, the effort because i yeah. because i have that sense of responsibility it's not the compet that's not the competitive side of me that's the responsibility yeah. side of me i think i have a very strong sense of responsibility and i've met people i've had colleagues who haven't had it at all to the same extent who have been sort of come into a situation and been like no nah, not going to touch this this is this can someone else can do this and i'm like what i thought we all had you know tip in and <laughs> where where I, I i sort of i can spend hours or days or years doing something because I, I can see that we can solve it as long as we you know we, we can we, if we pull this together we can solve it whereas some people can just look at something and then walk away and say nah let's skip it you know and, and give up and to me that's more like giving up but i think i sometimes need to learn to also just um, give up on certain things and maybe not persevere to the bitter end because maybe that's not always the best use of resources basically. yeah it's, it's interesting isn't it it's like all these frameworks it, it's it is it what it reinforces to me is how difficult it is to see things through other people's perspectives because we kind of can't help ourselves but think 
well, everyone must see it like this. It's obvious, or it's common sense, mm. or it's it, it, like it, they must feel like this towards it because, like, why would you not feel like that? And yet, everyone's having their own different experience of life with their own different set of baggage behind them and and opportunity in front of them. And and you know, there's so many complex things going on. And I, I think that's why the tools are useful, especially in sort of team exercises and things, to sort of highlight those differences and and recognize those things we we talked about i i've talked with uh, luca another old colleague of ours and he mentioned about introversion and extroversion that's a classic you know a lot of those two are misunderstood especially introverts and in fact luca since our podcast has, has commented no, on that on his social media about how you know the 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 way in which in i lost you, oh. I lost you. That's classic introvert oh. yes I was just saying about the, the sort of the, the classic differences between introverts and extroverts. And Luca was saying about how his really is misunderstood how introverts are experiencing life a lot of the time because they're not necessarily wanting to be like left out of stuff just because they enjoy time to themselves or reflection on their own and things. They they actually you know are like everyone else. They want social interaction. They just, from an extreme extrovert point of view, they want it in a different way sometimes. And um, mm -hmm. I think it's really interesting. And, and when it comes to what you've just mentioned, it's like that that sense of like, what? how can you not feel like doing this or whatever? But of course, as you also just said, and it's something I've had to learn is like, often that is the right way to go about it, whatever the opposite point of view is. And, and we all make mistakes and we can all be wrong. It's even Trump sometimes. <laughs> This is going to be my anti-Trump podcast. I've just decided, <laughs> and he's gone now. Finally, <laughs> yeah, have the same hair, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I wanted to ask another question about sort of skills, talents, things like that, because you have obviously hired a lot of people in your sort of senior roles, and you've you've been in lots of different jobs. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to know your thoughts on sort of skills and talents and how you try to hire people or look for people or source people to to take on roles. What do you focus on first? Is it like, do you focus on fit with the company's culture or the skills for the job or something? You know, do you look for some other qualities? What, what are the things you kind of mainly focus on? Hmm. Of course, I look at experience. So, so um, you know, what have people done? What have they chosen to do? Because that says something as well. Then you can always ask them if it was a choice or not. But uh, what, what, where have, where has life taken them, and, and where has maybe ambition taken them, mm -hmm. and what have they learned on the way? So that that would also, I mean, I think much more than what they studied that would tell me what their skills are, I guess. And then, of course, I look at personality in terms of, like you say, fit uh, for the culture, because that's really important. But I think you don't always hire. This depends on what your purpose is uh, with this hire, because sometimes you, you hire people to be part of a a new or an updated or an upgraded culture you you might want to bring in more of a certain culture in order to get the right mix or get the right culture for the road ahead mm -hmm. so i think that um but that goes of course a lot into to personality i um uh, 
I think attitude is probably one of the things I look try to sort of get hold of the most. So and and in attitude I look at uh sort of a can do attitude. Um mm-hmm. um and, uh, I think one of the worst things I one of the things I dislike the most is lack of ambition in anything we do. So, so I guess I try. I think if if we're going to do things in life, let's be ambitious about it. If we throw a party, if we have a, we make a new office, if we create something, if we have a, a meeting, or if we whatever we do, I think there should be a certain level of ambition uh, for it to be joyful and and meaningful somehow and I think I look at people's ambitions as well and if they are sort of up for the task of making things just a little bit better because every job is an in is an in in a process of improvement of some sort it's uh, either it's re-engineering something that has existed for a long long time or it's a growth journey or it's a uh, a shrinking journey or it's a profitability journey or a quality journey there's always a, a movement of the the art of perfecting maybe not to get things to be perfect but that sort of act of perfecting that sort of movement is uh, if you don't like that you're usually not the right person to work with me because i i i like that a lot <laughs> and i usually take jobs that are about that journey even if it's really really small i think that should be a mindset and that's what i see as a certain level of ambition so i look for that attitude of Mm. thinking it can be done knowing you can do it uh, so a confidence level and um, um, a joy or the lust uh, for doing it Um, so I look a lot at that because I think somebody wise said um, that you can you can learn almost any skill, but you can't really retrain on attitude. <laughs> yeah. and, right? I, I mean, you can, you can you can learn almost anything, really. Uh, so yeah, so I love to hire new people, and I love the interview process, and I, I would prefer to always meet everyone in person. I, I really like meeting these people who who want something um and i have all these odd questions that i ask uh, to try to sort of nail what i'm trying to to find out but um yeah i didn't know i don't know if it answered your question i've written down here my my question no because it, it did you did answer my question and, and my, my mm-hmm. question to you was then uh, well, I've, what I've written is ambitiousness versus competitiveness, because right. because it's for me it's there is uh, what you've just described about needing people to be ambitious. Well, you could reframe that. Well, I could definitely reframe that into a competitive nature. <laughs> but what what do you think to that? Probably it's just that maybe I don't. Uh, yeah, you're. You, it, it's the same drive. There's something about competitiveness, though, that maybe to me uh, has so much to do about um, straight line winning. Uh, maybe 
I think the whole, and maybe that's why I don't use the term so much because I it, it it's I associate so much to sports or to games or something, mm-hmm. and to others losing, somebody mm-hmm. else losing, and and I, to me it's really important to have this feeling of everybody being part of the if it's a win. So there's something about the word maybe competitiveness and it could be that I'm not a native English speaker or whatever, but to me, it's a, it's much more straight line than taking care of everything in between as well. Cause it's not only the win. It's, it's, it's not only the sale or the, the, the revenue goal. It's the quality, it's the client, it's the people doing it. It's the, their bloody families. It's like everyone being happy in the process. There's so much more, and complexity to um, winning, I think, or winning in business or in life for that matter. And I, I think competitiveness to me has a, a tiny, I mean, I know it's, it's, a, it's, it's a great trait, but it has a little bit of a negative smell for me. It's interesting. Why, why, why was that? Yeah. I was told when I, I've pitched my idea about a book to a couple of different people and, and I was told very quickly, that won't work in Norway. They don't like the word win. And, and for oh, exactly the same reason. You know the title. Yeah. Someone, someone's gonna, but I, 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 in my defense, and I will defend it because I think it's really yeah. interesting. You even said it in when you were sort of breaking it down. There's so much more complexity to winning. And that's the whole point of what I'm trying to like, like get across in in the ideas because I think there is, and I think people don't understand that about sport. And in fact, I want to ask you a little bit about Elias as well because maybe I should just get him on the podcast. But your husband, yeah, <laughs> ex professional sportsman. But but there's so much around that when it when it is very clear parameters for what is a win in that moment and what is not a win in that moment, like what winning a game, winning a point, winning a. Uh, you know, a, a, set, a quarter of the game or something like that. But mm. I think you set your wins or set your goals, whatever you want to call it. But I, I still believe that there is an element of um, the competition for achieving that goal. And it, and I think the main thing that is important that I uh, that I have in my book already <laughs> is there can be more than one winner. Uh, and and in in a lot of different things, and you need to understand that about the game you're in or the the, the competition you're in. You need to understand: yeah. can there be multiple winners? What is it that defines your win? So, as a business, if you're setting strategy, you know what is the uh, what is the end goal where we're going to be able to sit back and say, yes, we got it. You know, and yeah. and is that and that, that of course can keep moving as goals can keep moving and things can change and, and you know COVID-19 can come around the corner and hit us all in the ass <laughs> but but it's but it's what is that how do we define that and then how do we move towards it what, what, what will that win be and I think that's where I defend the word win but I, I understand what you're saying and people are definitely uncomfortable with this idea that others will lose but also jumping back to what you said ambitiousness you're looking for the ambitious person who's looking to step up and improve and looking to dip, to be willing to take that opportunity and make it better well mm. everyone who isn't that that you didn't hire is has lost because they didn't get the job that they were interviewing for and that they were hoping to get mm. so they yeah. are by definition unfortunately a loser 
<laughs> and yeah. it's okay to be a loser because you're you're actually yeah. failing in that moment to improve yourself. So hopefully you realize either I don't want to work for a company where Sophia's the boss because she's way she's looking for way too ambitious people and I'm not that, so I need to look elsewhere. Or mm. I need to actually assert myself a little more and be more ambitious and 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 strive for that. Whichever way you decide to go, those are the things you need to look to adjust. And over time, your attitude will need to adjust if you want to get the job that Sophia was offering, for example. Mm. I, uh, maybe I am competitive. I, I have to um, to think about that a little bit. <laughs> I, I like winning. I mean, I like winning. I'm just wondering if that makes me competitive. Um, I think you're well, are you ambitious? Let's talk about that. Do you think you're ambitious? Absolutely. So when do you think where do you think that ambition comes from? Is that again from your your you know granny and mum influence and that kind of curiosity, or is it something else? Mm, I think it's a part maybe. Uh, I think that's also something that I think I had um, it, uh, I had probably uh, things came easily to me in school. Things didn't come easy for me in sports, for example. So I, I totally didn't follow that route. So I I, I, I took I followed my strengths, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and there of course you know you've done one thing you want to try next and. You want to try, I always had this, um, I was always really keen, when I heard about a, a restaurant, this is even when I was really young, like maybe 10 or something, I heard of restaurants in in Stockholm, or, and I'm, I'm from the countryside, I heard of specific destinations, and I, I heard of things that people spoke highly of. I wanted to try it. I wanted to go there. I wanted to try it out and so on. And the same thing uh, kept happening. So I heard about a school that was supposedly very good. Then I wanted to go there and try that. And I wanted to, to try out what best uh, looked like. I wanted to mm -hmm. see what best looked like. Um, and it, and I think that uh, goes hand in hand with that curiosity. But I, and, and it's, I think, quite natural to want to look at best rather than worst. Uh, so, um, but that kept me always going for, I, I had really high expectations of what best was as well. So, so I, I've, I've sometimes had a bit too high expectations of things. Um, unfortunately <laughs> um and uh, so sometimes i've been disappointed traveling all the way to see uh, uh, i don't know a restaurant or a school or something and then it wasn't as good as i had heard but uh, or at least i didn't think so but i think that that's part of that sort of ambition i wanted to try out and see what really good and best looks like and that, of course, has raised the bar for what I think I need to do myself as well and be uh, somehow. And, and uh, what I need to, to do or be to fit into a good circumstance of some sort, I think. Does that make sense? 
yes it does i i, I think it's great i'm gonna uh, diagnose you as a uh, psychologist nick as um having competitiveness uh, disguised as ambition <laughs> no, i'm just kidding okay, i'm just kidding that's i'm good. just kidding that's a new personality trait yeah <laughs> so, um, so but i was never i never i was never in school like oh i have to have the highest grade uh, or I failed a lot of exams at business school. It was never um, a goal in itself to, oh, I'm going to have the best grades when I graduate. Never. And that's why, no. I mean, I, I don't see myself as very competitive. As long as I passed and got sort of, as long as I could graduate fully from business school, I was happy with mm. that. So, and maybe... That was because I was a little bit lazy and wanted to do so many other things on the side. I had lots of, I had lots of jobs when I was studying. I had lots of activities that I was doing pro bono and so on, kind of uh, going along with my lust for life and, and trying and things and meeting new people and so on. So I did all of that sort of extracurricularly while just more or less passing the rest in school i think you've said the first thing i totally disagree with there i am really surprised to hear you say lazy and maybe you're just using that word to to help yourself out or something but uh i don't think that that's i don't think you said lazy and wanted to do lots of things on the side and i had extra jobs yeah. and blah, blah, blah. It's like that's not lazy that's that's productive but just maybe yeah. not focused on the task at hand maybe procrastinating <laughs> Maybe and and then yeah maybe so more um, but but that's I think where I go like I'm not that it, if it's why wasn't it important to me to have the highest grade was it because I didn't think I could or was it because I didn't care it was really important to me to take so I, I took a really difficult major um, because I thought I really need to do something difficult so that I can properly learn financing and accounting and stuff I, I could have taken a totally different route and, and done something much more easy but I did do something in business school that I thought was hard but it didn't it wasn't important to me to get the highest grades it was great when I did but it wasn't a big sense of losing when I didn't I, I and I think that's different than you, maybe. Well, no, I, I, I think the key is, even if you're very competitive, it's what you're competitive in, right? I mean, I right. I was never competitive in academics either, and it, it was more because I really didn't feel I was very smart. I, I literally had this hang-up until I was in my 30s about not being very smart because all my academics were not very strong compared to most of my peers around me and especially when I went to this amazing business school I was like what the hell am I doing here like I you know I was really out of my depth uh, academically but then I realized over time you know I have other skills and, and I have uh, intelligence in people I think or I have an understanding at least of what's going on around me with with people that that is not something that comes naturally to everyone so I realized oh well okay so I maybe can offer something there and that's maybe why I've been successful in various things but but that because I think it was because of those things that I wasn't very competitive in that and I also had my competitive outlet nearly all the way through in sport 
right, so I, okay. I've kind of always been I've always loved sport and playing sport so I always had a way of like finding a competitive outlet that, that gives me that fulfillment uh, and it's not the only thing that drives me you know it's like uh, com being competitive is not the only thing I'm very interested in strategy and, and I'm very curious as well uh, like yourself and what you've described I'm I feel like uh, that resonates very strongly with me you know this curiosity and ambition to do something better to take responsibility and take it somewhere new um, so I, I recognize what you're saying and I don't think you need to be you know if you're competitive you don't need to be every move you make is like okay no, I want the best this I want the best that we're now having the biggest tv and that's not big enough no. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's uh you've got to choose your battles I guess but I'm yeah. interested to know actually so I wanted to uh, talk about Elias a little bit uh and and Elias is a phenomenal guy so there I can see why you were choosing the best you know this guy is uh, yeah. <laughs> gorgeous giant uh, ice hockey player who's uh who's a lovely lovely man uh i can't say enough nice things about him and hopefully he listens to this uh but he uh he is absolutely ace and um but he was but but no not but i lost you at he's a lovely lovely man yeah, that was it that was it. that was what he said he's a lovely man right i'm telling you lots of nice things about elias yes <laughs> Pretty sure it's recorded my end so he'll hear it but the thing is and i said but and then i was like wait i don't mean but <laughs> the thing i want to talk about is that he was a uh, professional sportsman he was a ice hockey player and played at a high level in boston is that right That's yes he was boston. yes he was uh, he was uh, he was um, in boston bruins but played mostly in providence bruins the farmers league okay the the thing I wanted to ask was like, how would you compare him in terms of competitive and ambitious? What we've just talked about, uh, mm. and his nature to me is, I can imagine him being very competitive because Extremely. he's been a sportsman. But Extremely. I also wonder what your thoughts are around that, like comparing the two of you. So, yeah, so he is extremely competitive, which can be noticed in many different ways. But sort of very, if you take a very basic way, it's that he, for a long time, him and I could not play a, a regular board game together. Because I, I would get so angry at him, uh, ruining the game with his competitiveness. Like, not at all playing to have a nice, you know, time only playing to win and, and to me that's like what you know so i would walk away and say you know let's do something else yeah because it, it was all about that and cheating or you know figuring out a way to kick us out or kick me out or something and it sometimes happens also with the kids and and so because now we're back to playing a lot of board games and um especially this year we're playing games all the time and it, I think he has to really control himself not to get too competitive with the kids and, and I think that there's definitely uh, he keeps saying well we have to give it our best and teach the kids that only if they do their best they're going to win and I was like yeah but he's five how on earth is he going to win you know if you and how will he be motivated if he never gets the taste of winning so we've, I think we've negotiated in some sort of balancing act where Elias maybe sometimes lets himself loose <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, uh, when we play with the kids. And, and um, 
and slowly but surely they are picking up and uh, they have won over him now in many different games um, properly, properly. Uh, and I think that's great. Yeah, and he probably I'm, thinks it's great too. I think so, yeah. But is he, is, he is very competitive also, so especially sports and games, but I think also in his work, he's extremely focused on, uh, on the goal and winning and closing. Mm. And uh, like he has a very strong engine in with almost um, sort of I think he's better in very focused uh, tasks uh, where he can really go for the win, whereas I'm much more sort of yeah you know juggling a few things in 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 a more complex things thinking about different things at the same time. He can do many things at the same time. That's not it, but. Is really good when he can just focus and go, 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 go and win. Mm. He, he's much better than I am when when he can get that environment. I think for me, it, it's 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 also interesting to reflect on what you just thinking about what you've just said and and something that I think a lot of people don't realize for those people who are very competitive. I'd say I'm also, although I've not played professional sport, but I I, I think knowing how to fail and knowing how to lose you know like taking the loss like hating losing hating and feeling awful about it and having all that like that that chemical release that's a terrible feeling instantaneously but then regrouping afterwards and picking yourself up and you know and learning from that and moving forwards i think that's something which when people get upset about the word competition and winning and there being a loser and things, it's actually, it's often good to lose. Like it's good to have taken the loss. And or so, motivation, you mean, or for, yeah, for, for motivating, like talking about your kids. Mm. Yes, of course they need to, t- I think I agree. They, they, they agree exactly with what you guys have decided on. Not, not that you need my permission on how to parent. I'm way behind you. But, <laughs> but no, I agree with it. It's like, yeah, they need to taste that win, but they also need to learn how to lose and kids need to yeah. learn how, to, how, how it feels to be not the best, not the fastest. I mean, Leonora's and my five-year-old is obsessed with kind of looking at the older kids and she's like trying to run around with them. And of course they're faster than her and, you know, they're stronger or they've, you know, and she's lived in, she's lived in Hong Kong for two years where there's not much ice skating in winter. I'll tell you. (laughs) (laughs) And now we're out in the backyard. There's a little ice patch where people are skating and she's upset because everyone else can ice skate. I'm like, they've had a head start. (laughs) They've had years of ice skating and they're older than you. So uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting, but that, that, that shows, there's that feeling and that's, you've got to learn from that. And you, but the, mm. I guess the key is you can't demotivate someone to the point where you're like, they are then feeling like a failure or they're not good enough and therefore they never try again. And that's, I think that links into the ambition part as well. It's like, when do you lose your ambition? Is it when you've been battered down and battered down and you realize, or you feel like, I'm not going to get this opportunity because it's never going to come my way because I've tried, you know, tried and tried and tried and failed and failed and failed. Mm. Now the kids would say, give it your best. You have to promise me to give it your best to both of us, to both yeah. the grown-ups, because then they know if we really promise that we will give it our best, we're not going to let them lose easily or yeah. we're not going to, we're really going to try to win. And then if they win, they can feel the sweet, the sweetness. Yeah. 
success. So I think we're doing okay with kids. <laughs> but I think with the back to him, uh, I think back to him. The, the difference between him and me, with him, in my view, being uh, much more competitive than uh, than I am, I think he really needs to 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 win. He needs he, he really needs them to keep keep up his motivation and he needs a win now and then and we all need wins now and then but I think I have a tendency to be more positive in general I I always look at I I have a tendency to look at the glass half full and we're almost there is my is my mindset we're almost there we're almost there all the Mm -hmm. time whereas he he is much more uh, black and black or white sort of Either you won it or you lost it, uh, and, and go in much more back and forth. Where I keep myself motivated with a lot of stuff like, "Oh, we're, today we were good enough," <laughs> or we almost got there. And I'm, I'm like motivating myself with much more of that kind of stuff, you know. But but it's yeah. it, it might be the same things we're doing. It's just that the way we're taking a, I rarely have like a rubbish day and i rarely think that i'm surrounded by idiots and you know i i, I don't have that much feeling of um, failure or uh, darkness i'm much more like yeah <laughs> there's light under the tunnel you know thing <laughs> about you actually sophia it's it, the the optimism i think you are a very optimistic very positive person yeah. i'm i'm also i think known to be a positive person and optimistic yeah. but I, I i have to say i don't i can't say honestly that i don't have shit days and i feel like the world's getting at me a little bit sometimes but uh but it, it's I, i'm definitely you know inspired by you for 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 that and and i i i i liked a lot having that opportunity to to work with you for that for those reasons actually I mean I think we, I think it was it, I always liked when I had bosses that were um were challenging me and uh but but were you know but were themselves ambitious and and and, and trying to drive things forward because then I could then I could jump into line with that because of all the things we've discussed uh yeah. it was much it's much easier for me to do that you know I think um I, rarely in fact in my life have I had I, I've, I've had I've been very fortunate I've had a lot of great bosses so rarely have I had any bosses that have done you know have sort of beaten me down or or, or made me feel like that but that might also be linked to my optimism I don't know <laughs> it's difficult to say right but um, just to wrap up, because I think we're 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 over an hour now, actually, and I hope you. I've just realised because I took ages to get started with all the tech stuff. But just to wrap up, Sophia, I wanted to sort of ask you your sort of your thoughts on what 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 would you say are the most important skills or talents that you're trying to give to your kids mm. for their future success i won't say future wins because of the what you've described I love your feelings on that word for their future <laughs> oh no yeah it's but I what so what are the skills or or things what? i want to give to my kids for their future um so first of all um i try to to kind of um, 
transfer to them this feeling of how bloody grateful we must be for where we are and, and what we have and, and um, uh, where we've come to somehow. I, I feel that that feeling uh, is very strong with me, sort of, and it has been for as long as I can remember, but I think I'm, the older I, I get, the more amazed I am um, at how fantastic my life is and how fantastic it has been. What It's really been the adventure I was kind of looking for, and it still is. So I think um, since they are so darn privileged, um, I think it, they, it's important for them to also realize that so that they themselves can both have that feeling of thankfulness because that, I think, creates happiness as well. Um, and hopefully... Um, uh, a feeling of wanting to give maybe not back but at least pay things forward and I think that's a great starting point for human beings to be it's a good place to be in to start with um, but then I think it's really important uh, that I show them uh, the importance of hard work and uh, the importance of uh, you know how much um, time it takes to uh, make money and how hard it is to make money you know it, so my kids went off they took the bus on la this last friday night to they went to go shopping because they were going to cook us um, dinner on friday and they were going to make tacos and they called probably seven times from the supermarket to ask different questions and so on. But they came home and they made us tacos. And my son uh, gave me the receipt and he had the, our credit card with him and everything and paid for it. But he gave me the receipt and he said, mom, it was quite expensive. It was a lot of, and he said it was a lot of money because it was a lot of money. Um, and I told him, yeah, because compared to the type of money he spends, he never buys a Friday night dinner, right? But I think that to show him the, the value of money, the value of work, and the, the different type of pay that you can have depending on what kind of work you do and the effort and so on, all of that I try to really deliberately show them uh, already now at a rather early age. Um, both because I want them to be thankful for where they are, uh, where, what, where they have uh, you know, where they are in life or, or they're lucky to be born in this family, basically, in Sweden at this time and so on. But also because I think it's really important to, to have that awareness for the rest of their lives if they are going to at all maintain this or any other quality of life, level of quality of life. So those things I, um, I talk to them about a lot. And uh, about, you know, helping others who are less fortunate and so on. So that I think values, I guess, are really important to me to bring to the kids. Um, but I think uh, back to ambition. Um, I, I like, they pick up things, you know, they, they pick up that we light the candles before we sit down at the table. I try to, you know, if we have a Sunday night dinner, I want them to know how to make the table with the uh, uh, napkins. 
but have the right touch. <laughs> and they can they, be <laughs> It can be exactly, <laughs> but I think that uh, yeah, and and uh, I I think they of course they 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 look at what we do and they they pick up different things for sure these two kids, but uh, I I really enjoy when I'm able to have conversations with our ten year old about when he thinks about what he's going to do for a living and how he debates these different thoughts in his head. Like for a very long time, he was going to be a farmer. He was totally set on being a farmer and then potentially having a side job as a fisherman. But then when I asked him what he was going to farm um, and what he was going to grow, he said, yeah, you know, potatoes or something. And then when he started to go shopping himself, uh, he realized potatoes weren't that expensive. And he, he started to learn a little bit about know pricing and cost and, and stuff and then he said i'm not sure it's gonna work out for me this potato business <laughs> <laughs> so so it's and that you know it might work out really well but uh it's just interesting to have those conversations yeah uh, with the kids i think um, i think that is beautiful and it's a beautiful way to wrap up sophia i <laughs> love the energy you bring and uh i encourage anyone to anyone who speaks swedish <laughs> or a scandinavian yes. language actually uh, mm -hmm. check out the podcast the podcast is called rat race rat race yeah and apparently yeah. there's an episode in english so i'm going to actually link that one for the audience uh i'm going to find it and link it uh yeah and if you want more information on sophia then you can follow her on linkedin as well uh she's awesome character uh thank you so thank much you. sophia thank you for having me and thank you for all your fantastic uh fantastically generous comments about me i think Booster, thank you very much. Yeah, I'm, I, it comes from the heart because I, I really enjoyed working with you and I'm super honored that you came on the podcast. So right. thank you so much. All the best, Sophia. Take care. Thank you. Bye.